the beginning, there were just regular telephones until one phone made a hypothesis and conducted an experiment. Now a new era begins. Science telephone. Only in theaters. Hand on your phone. Howdy, howdy, howdy. I am Jesse, and this is Science Telephone. We've got a jam-packed episode today, and I think you're going to really like what you hear, uh, which will be about seeing, which you might call foreshadowing, which uh, is a new thing that I'm trying. We'll see how that goes. As is our format, we're going to start off by meeting our guest scientist. (laughs) Yeah, he's already laughing at me, and learn a little bit about him and his work, and then we're going to call in the goon squad and um, rough it all up a little bit. So coming up on the show, we've got Alana Brittany, Alistair Ogden, and Ryan Beal. Last time we had Alistair on the show, he got made fun of for being too attractive. And the last time we had Ryan on the show, it turned into a bit of a giggle fest about pseudo-feces. So um, we're going to see if we can keep some level of decorum this time. We always begin with our scientist. Let's do that right now. Uh, He's a neuroscientist who I'm very excited to have on the show today. Welcome, Tarek Youssef. Hi, Jesse. Thanks for having me. This, I mean, okay, I'm going to fanboy a little bit. Oh. Huge fan of the pseudofeces thing, obviously. I think a huge moment in time. One of my favorite <laughs> moments from the podcast, uh, Christine Bordelin's science name was Mother Science during that episode, which oh, yeah. to me, I, I want to get that tattooed on my forehead. I love it so much. So thank you for having me. Well, I'm so stoked to have you on the show. And yeah, we're going to have to have Christine back to like reprise that character at some point, I think, because it was a win. Okay, so let's talk a little bit about you. So uh, first of all, I'm curious, what kind of guided you into studying neuroscience to begin with? Yeah, I think ever since I was little, I always thought you never really know what a scientist is other than Bill Nye. And then even Bill Nye was just on TV. So (laughs) that's not even really... I mean, he taught science, but was he doing, he wasn't really doing research. So what is a researcher? You have no idea. So I thought I wanted to be a veterinarian. I thought I wanted to be a doctor. I thought I wanted to be all of these things that were kind of um, in the realm of science, but not really a researcher. I got to university and finally found out what that was. And uh, knowing that it was an opportunity for me to get a part-time job working in a science lab, I was like, this is so much better than what I've been doing for like years, slogging away in retail. What does like the life of a neuroscientist look like? Like what's a day in the life at work for you? Well, I will say the life of a lackey grad student. I can give you that one. I can't give you the life of a professional neuroscientist just yet, but wake up, cry, go to the lab, (laughs) (laughs) think about doing an experiment for two to three hours. Finally do the experiment, um, wait for the results, cry when they don't work, and then you do it again. (laughs) And then eventually you get something that works every once in a while. It's a lot of planning, executing the experiment, and retrying again. It can get pretty monotonous, and I think um, that's it's not really um, enticing for some people. But it's a weird kind of monotony because as soon as one chapter is done or one project is done, it's something completely different and you're learning something new from scratch all over again. Um, So it's monotonous, but you're you're about to jump off a cliff the whole time. It sounds like you enjoy that jumping off the cliff part. Definitely. That's my favorite part. Yeah, that's cool. So before (laughs) we dive into what that work is, what those experiments actually are that mostly fail until they succeed, um, I'm curious just to know a little bit more about you (laughs) outside of the the work that you're doing. Like, what, What are some of the other things that you like to do with your time when you're not doing science? Oh my, well, I, I sued, oh, sorry, I was going to swear every real life. You can swear. You can totally swear. I Sudoku my ass to hell every night. Like that is my number one thing. I love Sudoku. <laughs> uh, really love the crossword. Uh, I do that every night as well with my partner. That's like our nighttime rituals to do the crossword. Sounds relaxing. 
I, I have my own podcast. Like, I feel like everyone has a podcast. It's so embarrassing. I have my own <laughs> podcast um, about science, nut- <laughs> about nutrition science with an amazing co-host, Hannah McGee, who's herself a very amazing social media presence. Cool. Uh, we do a podcast called No BS Nutrition. So we do a lot of like BS science on that. Like, uh, uh, there's always lots of stuff in the media about like gum that's going to make you smarter, but oh, it's like yeah. I, people pay for it, but you would think they don't, but they do. So it's fun to talk about. Okay. So you're no stranger to the science communication side of things, which of course we'll be diving into today. No, I will talk anybody's ear off for hours, hours, hours. Okay. So let's, let's talk about what you will talk people's ears off about in terms of your own work. So what are we going to hear go into the telephone today on the show? I'm learning about different kinds of uh, mechanisms that the visual system uses in order for us to adapt to various levels of background light. It sounds like maybe um, it's like it's something that maybe people don't think about, but we take it for granted. People sighted people vision is their most relied upon sense, and we experience vision in such drastic ways from sunrise to sunset again something that we take for granted that our eye is constantly adjusting to that so if our eye wasn't able to adjust to the let's say increasing in light from sunrise to midday mm-hmm. our eyes would just get saturated eventually we'd just see nothing but our eyes are not magical but even cooler than magic so scientific that they're able to adjust to that. So they become less sensitive to increases in light throughout the day. And that allows us to maintain things like contrast. So for example, the contrast of the words on the page of a book, you are able to see that, let's say even by a campfire, just as well as you'd be able to see it on the beach on a sunny day. Mm. And that requires some pretty cool uh, changes in the eye. Those changes are not just chemical, but also physical. So that's something that I'm looking into. Some of the cells at the back of the eye that are responsible for this are called horizontal cells. Okay. And they physically connect and disconnect as background light changes. And obviously there's a bunch of chemical processes that are responsible for that. So I'm trying to find out exactly which chemicals are responsible for making these horizontal cells connect and disconnect to allow us to detect contrast. Okay, that's super interesting. We're going to dive into it a little bit deeper at the very end of the show where we will have an opportunity to look at uh, what actually came out of the telephone and you can kind of set the record straight and we can learn a little bit more about those horizontal cells, which sound very cool. Um, But for now, I think it's time to call up our first comedian and start to just throw this thing into the wind and see what happens. So it's time to call up our first comedian today. We have Alistair Ogden. Hello. Hello, Alistair. Welcome back to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Oh, it's great to have you back. I think we like can call you a series regular at this point. <laughs> oh, that's so exciting. Does that mean I get paid uh, union rates? You get paid the same thing I get paid. How's okay. that? Okay. Sounds good. <laughs> okay. So, Alistair, Tarek has written out a one-minute explanation of his work, um, which I have emailed to you. Okay. Alistair, um, before we bring on our next guest... Uh, how would you like me to introduce you to them? Oh, my name, my science name. This is your name. You're going to read that. You're cold reading this. I'll be Dr. Franjapan Jones. Oh my God. I have to write that down. <laughs> Franjapan Jones. Mm-hmm. Okay. Time to call in our next guest, Alana Brittany. Hi, Alana. Hi. Hello. 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 Welcome. Welcome, Alana. Hello. I follow directions so well. <laughs> 
um, it's fine. No, you're doing great so far. Uh, it's obviously your first time at the show, and I'm very excited to have you on. I'm Thanks for coming. Excited to be here. Thanks for having me. So, um, your your like day job is you're a speech language pathologist, right? Yeah, yeah, I am. How does how does that mix with like doing comedy, comedy by night, and oh. speech language pathology by day? Speech pathology is the silliest thing, and nobody knows what it is. So every time I talk about it on stage, I can just see blank faces. So I'm like, okay, well, I'll just I won't talk about it that much, which is why it's such a mystery. Nobody knows that I do it. Well, you did, but you have you. I mean, I can see you have a stethoscope hanging in the background. Is I do. True? Yeah, that's that for that uh, that's for listening for swallowing. I'm not even going to unpack that one. <laughs> I'm very excited to introduce you to our scientist today, Alana. We have on the show Dr. Frangipan Jones here with us. Yay. Yes, it is. Hello, nice to meet you, Dr. Jones. Yes, uh, a preeminent researcher in his field. Dr. Jones, are you uh, ready to tell us about your work? Absolutely. You can begin now. One main visual adaptation mechanism is that of horizontal cell coupling by gap junction proteins, which is postulated to have uh, three light-dependent states. In two of the states, dark-suppressed, DS, and light-adapted, LA, horizontal cells are weakly coupled and therefore have small receptive fluids, producing strong voltage changes only to small spot stimuli that overlap with their dendritic arbors. In the third light-sensitized LS state produced by dim ambient light conditions, horizontal cells are highly coupled and produce very strong voltage changes to large annulus stimuli through spatial summation. Nitric oxide has more recently been shown to produce uncoupling effects similar to those of dopamine and retinoic acid, but no experiments have revealed if acts through downstream kinase in the retina. At present, it is hypothesized that nitric oxide acts through protein kinase G to phosphorate gap junction proteins and uncouple horizontal cells. Though neurobiotin tracer injection, we hypothesize the use of nitric oxide blockers should increase coupling in dark suppressed and light adapted states of the fish retina, a widely used model of the vertebrate visual system. Right. Yeah. Thank you, Dr. Jones. Okay. Yeah, Alana, um, do you want to ask some questions? Yes, many. What <laughs> did you say? <laughs> One more time. I'm just kidding. I listen. Uh, so you said there was something acid. What was the acid called? Nitric acid. Red dendritic? No, nitric oxide. Sorry. We got nitric oxide. That's, yeah, yeah. Oh, thank you. Is that one. Nitric. What does that do? So the nitric oxide blockers increase coupling in dark suppressed and adapted states of the oh, fish retina dark suppression Suppress. dark suppression like like dark like dark suppress like not being able to see in the dark more or less that's a good question yeah that is a good know. question yeah, yeah thank you yeah what i will say is that this is a, just a hypothesis right it's a hypothesis that um though if you add nitric oxide uh blockers then it actually increases the um, the the ability for them to see well. Cool. It increases the adapted states of the fish retina, which in Ooh. layman's terms would be to see better. Cool. Thank you for thank you for for dumbing it down for me. I know I'm a, a diddly twist. <laughs> Thanks. Yeah. Well, you know, a lot of people are. So. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I go on the internet. Yeah. <laughs> okay, not, everyone, I, not everyone can be a scientist like me. <laughs> I know. You're, um, and then, can, am I allowed to ask one more question? Yeah, go for it. Oh, fabulous. Dendrical arbors. Did I say that right? Dendrical arbors? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> 
you know, I feel like you said it as best as you could. Thank you. I try den like dendrites, right? Like in the brain. Hundred percent. Yes. Yeah. Okay. Oh, dendrites. Okay, dendrical arbors. Mm-hmm. I took biology twelve. Yeah, arbors, arbors like, and then arbors like Arbor Day. Like, like, like the celebration of the dendricals. That makes sense because they need mm-hmm. to like celebrate that they're working hard. I have a question, Doctor Jones. Yes. So, um, you mentioned that there's three states. Could you explain what those three light dependent states are, and then broadly speaking, how they contribute to like the overall goal of your work? Okay, so you've got um, the three states are uh, dark suppressed. Uh, the second one is light adapted. The third is light sensitized. Now, those uh, three states, the way that they um, affect my work overall, I would say that, uh, so that, I mean, <laughs> I don't know if you guys would understand, honestly, because it's trans. <laughs> okay. <laughs> So the so you've you've got your your dark suppressed you've got your light adapted those two those two um are both like when when low when you've got low light and you need to see stuff you know yeah. um and then light sensitized that's like uh when you've got uh, when you're like scared of the light a little bit like you're feeling <laughs> sensitive yeah so dark dark suppressed is like it's a conscious thing that you're doing light adapted is like when you're uh, when the, when the light, when the eyes are, are like, you know, get, t- getting used to things light sensitive is when, is when the, the, when you're, you know, it's like an, emo- like you see light and it's like uh, an emotional experience. Oh, okay. Which one was that one? I missed that. Light sensitized. Yeah. So you got suppressed, which is like, you know, sensitized. when you're being kind of like aggressive with your eyesight, yeah. uh, light adapted when you're kind of dealing with things pretty okay. Light sensitized. That's when. Uh, you start to really feel it emotionally. Okay, got it. That's cool. So are you a psychologist? Hmm? What kind of, yeah, what, what's your field of study? Sorry. I mean, you know, we, you, I've got like so many PhDs. I've, I'm a lot of things. Yeah. So I'm, you know, psychology, neurobiology, bio, uh, neurochemistry, uh, neurophysics. That's a, wow. Mm-hmm. Like that? Wow. Neuro, neuroses. I've got it all. <laughs> okay. I think that's about all the time we've got for questions. I know you you have a lot of important work to get back to, Dr. Jones. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you for sharing that with me. That's exciting work. You're welcome. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, you better not steal any of my research. <laughs> I don't know that I could. <laughs> people, people are always trying to steal my research, so yeah. I just appreciate People it's like highly prized stuff. Oh, wow. Okay. Yeah. People coming into the lab, they're scooping up my fish. <laughs> okay. Well, I'm going to let you go back and protect your fish because we, we do have to move on. Um, thank you very much, Dr. Jones. This has been illuminating. Thank you. Okay. So, Alana, um, how are you doing there? You got all that? Feeling okay? Yeah. I'm a little sweaty, but I'm good. <laughs> Could be fine. I can't tell if my eyes are sweating or if it's my face. Am I crying? <laughs> I haven't written that fast ever. <laughs> and I have, you know, gone to school. <laughs> well, uh, we can ask in a moment if, if eyes actually sweat. That's a good question. Quick question before we move on. Uh, how would you like me to introduce you in the next round? Oh, oh, oh. Um, uh, scholar, uh, Dr. Laurel Wolfstein. Scholar, Dr. Laurel, Laurel Wolfstein? Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, gosh. Okay, we have one more guest today, the irreplaceable Ryan Beal. Hello, sorry I had to wait for the second ring there. I was just uh, 
Stuff, uh, it's a busy, a busy apartment, you know, lots of things going on. Hello. Hi, Ryan. <laughs> welcome, welcome back to the show. Yeah, thanks for having me, I assume. Oh, my God. This is Jesse, hello. I can't believe you, like, big-dogged me on that. Like, just trying to tell <laughs> just, you. <laughs> you know, just trying to uh, establish the illusion that I'm busy and important. <laughs> I mean, I guess part contributing to that illusion. It's been a while since you've been on the show. It's like really good to have you back on, but there's been it's been yeah, a while. I'm so happy to be here. What's yeah. what's happened uh, in the interim? What's new with you? Uh, just working away as a as a as an actor in te- television shows. So it's been busy in that regard, and that's what I've been doing primarily. Walking my dogs as well. Oh, I mean, those both sound good. Uh, what's the what's the like film set world like right now with all this going on? Is it like? Even worse than normal? Or? <laughs> no, capitalism has allowed it to, to go pretty smoothly. Um, uh, so it's, um, uh, I mean, there's lots of changes, obviously. Like there's no, there's, there's lots of physical distancing and masks and COVID testing and gowns and face shields, of course. But uh, but there's a lot of content being made still. How many, how many like COVID tests have you had at this point? I've had plenty. I've had over 15. Oh, that's, that sounds like fun for yeah. your nose. This is terrible because <laughs> I, just, like, I don't deserve 15 COVID tests. Other people do. <laughs> don't need to, to like to make silly content for mostly tweens, you know? <laughs> 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 I'm not that important. Anyway. Okay, well, I mean, somebody thinks it's important. Capitalism thinks it's important. Capitalism, right? that's who it does, yeah. yeah. So, okay, well, I, Ryan, I want to introduce you to, we have a very special guest scientist on the show today. Um, okay. We have scholar Dr. Laurel Wolfstein with us. Hello. 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 Hi, nice to meet you. Dr. Wolfstein, thank you so much for joining us on the show. Thank you. Happy so, um... <laughs> Happy to be here. <laughs> <laughs> ah, the joys of Zoom, cut, cutting people off because it sounds like someone's not talking. Um, so, uh, Dr. Wolfstein, w- w- I think we can just jump right into it. I'm really excited to Great. hear about your work, uh, and I'm sure Ryan mm-hmm. is too. So, whenever you're ready, why don't you jump right in and tell us all about it? Certainly. It's a very exciting field of study. Uh, but before I actually do jump in, Ryan, I have to I have to say, you have to, this is very important. Um, please don't tell anyone. Okay, <laughs> so it's a secret right off the bat. It's more that I just don't want anyone to steal any ideas or because I work with fish and I have these very fancy fish, which I'm going to talk all about. Okay. If people steal them, then I can't do the research with the fish. So you're worried, you're worried about both your ideas and your fish being stolen. Yeah, I think that's... Right. Okay. <laughs> yes. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Got it. Okay. Well, yeah. So don't tell anyone about my prize fish, please. Um, okay. So that being said, I work with fish and uh, I actually <laughs> study their eyesight. Uh-huh. And I look at it in three different states. What I'm looking at is the, the, the how their eyeballs function in the, in the dark mostly. And if there's ways that we can improve it or suppress it or make it uh, better. Uh, so what the states we look at, there's three. Um, there's the dark suppressed, light adaptive. So that's, you know, how well they can see in different lightnesses. Um, and light sensitive, which um, I think we've all experienced, you know, when you're in the dark. Um, what did they fish do when they're scared of the dark? You know, mm-hmm. um, so mm-hmm, we just... Mm-hmm, mm-hmm want to know what happens so the the way that the retinas work i don't know how familiar you are with with the retina it's the back of the eyeball um the back it's the back of the eyeball same place for the fish and they've got these uh, dendrical arbors that 
uh, go into their brain from their eyeball. And uh, basically, they uh, these dendrical arbors send a message. And so what we do is we put uh, something called nitric oxide. Um, uh, we call it NO for short in the lab. Uh, uh, we put the NO on the dendrical arbors and... We uh, see what happens. Do the do the arbors couple with each other, which would increase the dark suppression, or do we do something with the um, neobiotin oxide, which is uh, we call that NBO? Uh, and if it, we would like to see if the fishes can see better with the different suppressing factors. So, I, I, so I'm intrigued. Uh, like, who's paying? Is, are the fish paying you to do this? Like, who needs? <laughs> like, because you're trying to improve the fish's eyesight, or well, like, Ryan, fish... as you know, often in science, we uh, we start first looking at different animals and how they function right. and how they see it can affect lots of other understandings. So, right. uh, yeah, that's why. Uh, and then the research funding comes from the University of Wisconsin, <laughs> where I work. Okay. It's because that's a landlocked. That's a landlocked state. Well, the fish, oh, the okay. fish aren't in the ocean. They're in my. No, I, I'm sorry. They're I in my lab. I know. I I didn't personally go and find the fish. That yeah, would have I been know. a, a yeah. fisherman. Yeah. yeah, it's a totally different occupation. I get it. Uh, so, uh, okay. Uh, can I know a little bit more about what kind of fish you use? Yeah. Yeah. Well, because. Obviously, we want to we want to look at different types of fish retina. So we do have a, a variety of species. The most mm-hmm. uh, heavily studied are, are, of course, salmon. Salmon, yeah. What's the least studied? Uh, probably something found in a river. <laughs> no. Yeah, a river, just river a river family. Fish, yeah, <laughs> uh, but actually, this year. <laughs> We imported some new fish because we wanted to see if there were uh, any other geno species that had the same reaction to the NO and the NBO. And NBO? I, what's NBO? Oh, I'm sorry. That's the neobiotin I, oxide. Remember I said there was the two. Yeah, right. Mm-hmm. And how they, Neo. yeah. So the, we got a different species of salmon. Oh. Mm-hmm. What uh, can you give me the type? What species is it? Uh, it's called French salmon. French salmon. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> so French salmon. Um, what's the most surprising? Uh, what's the most surprising thing that's happened from your research that that's shocked you the most? Well, we actually heard now. So we have lots of different measurement tools in the tanks with the fish as we're you know doing the different testing, and uh, we had a microphone. And a lab assistant was going through uh, a number of the files and found that when we put a lot of the light-sensitive oxide in with the fish, they screamed. (laughs) (laughs) What does a fish's scream sound like? I guess kind of bubbly. It's what you'd think, right? That's right. Yes, yeah. But no, it was very, is actually quite shrill. Like, have you ever seen like Fran Drescher drunk that's what it was like it was very like okay was... yeah I can imagine I've never, I've never seen that particular but I can imagine uh okay yeah. um otherworldly uh, really yeah. I guess uh so what are other what are other parts of the eye that you study other than the retina uh well my research is uh mostly on those dendrical arbors uh I was oh, giving yeah, you, yeah I was yeah. giving you the the retina as a as a yeah. you know st- if I could just ask a quick question about that. What what are the dendrical arbors for? What do they do in the eye, biologically? 
Yeah. So what they do is they react to different party states. So uh, um, sad, happy. When we say party, we just mean emotional. Those dendrites just connect to the fish amygdala, uh, which is, as you know, maybe, I don't know, Ryan, how familiar (laughs) you are with neuroanatomy, but uh, the amygdala is like the, 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 the center for emotion. So the dendrical arbor is just like, hold on to the, the different types of parties like arbor okay like an arbor okay. think like branches like branches yeah, yeah. arbor arboretum uh-huh. cool not a burrito did you say burrito i said arboretum <laughs> do burritos factor in at all i mean i eat them sometimes before i do okay. the research yeah. of course <laughs> so I, I find sometimes they're a useful d- descriptive tool yeah because you know. the beans yeah. and there's a wrap yeah, yeah they're layered and stuff you what, know what that's great yeah. one last question quickly what are those three states again and what do each of them mean oh, okay yeah there's the dark suppressed which is when uh we make it so they can't see in the dark at all they we make them blind uh light adaptive when they can see at like various different light speeds <laughs> they go they can see all of them <laughs> And then the light sensitive, which is when you can scare the shit out of them. Just to see what happened. Right. That's the scariest state. It's certainly. Yeah. Okay. Perfect. Uh, Any other questions, Ryan, or is that about do it? I think, you know, I think that's a pretty succinct. Yeah. Okay. I think so. I thought so too. Amazing. Thank you for the, yeah. yeah, Thank you. Thank you so much, um, Dr. Wolfstein. It's it's been fantastic. Yeah. Yeah. Great having you on the show. Thank you. Wonderful. Bye. Nice to meet you. You too. How you doing, Ryan? Very good. That's amazing. Well done, Alana. Oh, thank you. (laughs) So uh, what would you like your scientist name to be, Ryan? I was thinking Dr. Tony Medulla. Tony? Weren't you a Tony before? (laughs) Yeah, I've been Tony before. (laughs) Tony Frick? (laughs) Tony Frick. That's what it was. Oh, my God. Jesus. Okay, Dr. Tony Medulla. So let's call everybody back in now. Hello. 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 I'm sorry, I didn't think I had to. I, sorry, <laughs> I was already here. Yeah, I guess, no, you're right. Maybe you didn't have to. I thought you were just being being a shit. My apologies. <laughs> no, I, I think I just assumed the worst of you because you had you, yeah, you, people you do. screwed with me before. Um, okay. Uh, welcome, everybody. Thank you so much for attending this month's Canada Research Council Funding Committee meeting, um, where, as you all know, we pick one scientist in Canada to receive a life-size bust of Mr. Dressup to help watch over them and motivate them as things get tough in their research. So pleading his case today, we have with us Dr. Tony Medulla, an esteemed researcher. Thank you. Thank you for having me. Just jump right in. Before you do, actually, I just want to introduce the the, the committee members who we've got with us today. <laughs> right. I'm so nervous. <laughs> it's okay. I understand. Uh, we've got, of course, uh, Dr. Frangipan Jones here with us. Hello, Dr. Jones. Hello. We have a scholar, Dr. Laura Wolfstein, with us here. Hi there. And we have Tarek Youssef here as well. Hello. Uh, thanks so much for being with us, everybody. Uh we're now going to turn over the floor to Dr. Medulla. Please tell us a little bit about your research and why you believe you ought to win this prize. Great. Right off the bat, this is a secret. I need you to zip your lips up because the lives of various fish <laughs> hang in the balance. This doesn't leave this room. These fish are fancy. And if we if this gets out, not only could this, you know, people, this, this information in the wrong hands could do some serious damage to various fish. And ultimately, the human. human <laughs> uh, hello, I am a neuroscientist. I am, as you can see uh, by my tie, I do fish stuff. This is a fish tie I'm wearing. Uh, and specifically, I'm working on um, 
the eyesight of fishes. Uh, and you might be asking me, why would you? Why are you so interested in fishes? Well, sometimes scientists start with other animals. To, they start with a fish, and then they'll get to a bigger animal or human beings eventually. So I'm on, I'm on fishes right now. Um, and the fish eyesight is what I'm looking at. Specifically, the three states of fish eyesight. They're, we call them party states. They're like party buses. And they are uh, dark suppressed, light adapter, and light sensitive. Uh, and I have a little quiz to find out which one you most relate to. I'm kidding, of course. Um, they're, they're scientific terms. Um, and dark suppressed is, when, is totally dark. Light adapters like sunrise, sunset, dusk, happy hour. Uh, it's a little bit, uh, you know, the lights. And then light sensitive is, ooh, that's bright. Scare you. Scare the fishes. And specifically, what we're looking at is the retinas and these things called dangible arbors. <laughs> and they are, and they are, they ha what they do is they collect the emotions of the fish. And what we were specifically trying to get, um, nitrous oxide, NO. We, in the lab, we say, just say no to the fishes. Uh, we put nitrous oxide all over that stuff. And then we see how they react. And, and with using those three states of uh, the party states, we just sort of, you know, just like see what happens with the fish's eyes in various stages. Uh, do they see better? Uh, do, do, they, do they see worse? Uh, I, of course, am based in the University of Wisconsin, which I understand to be landlocked. Um, and mostly I work with salmon, French salmon, and river foundlings. River foundling is a scientific term for just any fish you can find in a river. Um, it could be any type of fish. It could be a salmon, really, ultimately. Um, so, yeah. Uh, the, and so something that has been coming up, and I should mention, is the fish, the fish are screaming. Um, uh, that's I don't I, I, we don't know what that means yet, uh, uh, but it is happening, and so I just wanted to be upfront um, with that part. Um, yeah, so it's basically the the stages of light, the fish, the retina, and what happens when we when we um, change that. <laughs> wow, thank you. Yeah, very succinct. I'm happy to take any questions. Wonderful. Well, I'll, I'll go first, and then I'll turn it over to everyone else, real quick. Great, yeah. Are you yeah. worried about the fish screaming? Are you worried that that has any like darker implications oh, for your research? Yes. Are you kidding? We didn't <laughs> we didn't start this with thought the fishes would be screaming. I mean, yes. I, I don't think I think it's fine. I think it's more of a sound of recognition. Um, uh, maybe they've never seen light as bright as the light we're, uh, we're, we're utilizing. So they're like, oh, that's surprising. Uh, they appear to be fine. Uh, they're totally fine. The fish are fine. The fish, the fish are fine. Okay, we don't have to get the ethics committee involved. No, no, that it sounds terrible. The, the screaming. Have you ever heard like a like you know when someone screams like a pop singer and they're like ow you know like they're they're it's good scream. It's a good scream. So everything's fine. Would you say it's a scream like like a pop singer would make, or like the fans yeah. of a pop singer would make? Like the oh, Beatles. Oh, great question, Doctor. Uh, I think a little bit of both. I think so. Either side of that uh, that that equation. Uh, okay. So sometimes a little bit of this, sometimes a little bit of that. Interesting. Mm -hmm. uh, may I ask a question, Doctor? Yes. Uh, doctor, what doctor. is your favorite state that you found with these? Fish? For me, it's the light adapter. Uh, the light adapter, um, because it kind of speaks to the, you know, that's just the kind of person I am. I'm, 
I'm uh, <laughs> I'm right in the middle yeah. uh, on a lot of things, and um, you know, it's 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 for me, it's very it's the most magic of the states. Mm-hmm. Uh, anything can happen. We like. Let's, to say, let's, let's say you have like a, a river foundling that you've you've put into a light adapter state. What does that look like? What do you mm-hmm. observe in in the, in the fish at that point? Their their eyes go a little bit wonky. Uh, they go, <laughs> they go a little bit won- wonky. I'm so sorry. That's how uh, uncouth. Um, <laughs> they go, they get wobbly. They kind of wobble around. Uh, do you want to know what it looks like with the fish or what the actual contraption I'm using? Or uh, I, now like? I want to know the... what the contraption is. <laughs> yeah, the contraption is a little harness. It's uh, let's uh, uh, submerged underwater so the fish can swim freely. Uh, but not uh, getting too far around the tank. Uh, so, so it's just it's just a way to keep the fish in proximity of the states. I want to flash at it. So um, you, the 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 fish um, obviously they, they're screaming, but it sounds like it might be like a scream of 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 passion Joy. or excitement. Passion, um, yes. So, but also um, that's that's caused by uh, a lot of light. So if you have you know small amounts of light, does that have the inverse effect like do you think the fish are getting um like seasonal affective disorder or getting depressed or scared oh yeah well it's hard to tell because fish look sad right from the beginning (laughs) you know what i mean like and um (laughs) they're not the most open (laughs) they're not the most uh open with their feelings necessarily Mm -hmm. you do get to know these fish that's the thing you get to know them pretty well uh studying spending so much time with them it's hard not to assign human personalities to them you know when in fact they're is there any way you could okay. walk us through one of the experiments? Just the steps of the experiment, yeah. the techniques you're using? Absolutely. So I go to, there's there's the main tank where I walk up to the main tank and I'll pick a fish generally at random, uh, which I find uh, is, is the best way to sort of um, yeah, just, get, just get them all in the mood, keep them guessing. And I, I put, uh, I put, I take that one in a small net. I put it into the um, uh, the light tank. Uh, which is covered in little curtains. Um, <clears throat> so the fish goes in. Uh, then I, I equip the harness, which takes a little bit of time. Fish is harnessed in. Uh, I then um, turn the lights off in the lab. I put on... <laughs> night. No, I'm sorry. I put on night vision goggles so I can see. Right. Then, um, so I'm in the dark. The fish is completely in the dark. I remove the curtains. The curtains are ready. And then we... I have something we, we in the business we call um, a waterproof light bulb that we put inside the uh, the tank, and then it's controlled by a dial, and step by step, we just gradually increase the light. Thank you. All in all, it takes a couple hours. You said you put nitrous oxide in to change the states? Is N-O, right? yeah. So yeah. That N-O, is, yeah. if I'm not mistaken, N-O. nitrous oxide is laughing gas like you'd get it at a dentist. You are not mistaken. Yeah, right. um, are there any issues with like... Like putting gas into a tank like that, are you like airboarding them? Like, what? It kind of feels like you're torturing these fish. <laughs> no, no, it's. Uh, I know on paper that's what it's that's what it's come across as, but they're, tre- they're everything's fine. Um, what was the question? Nitrous oxide? No, nitrous. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good. It's good for the heart and for the soul. Uh, and the amounts, really, I, I joke, but the amount we're talking about here is is minuscule. It's uh, it's. Uh, <clears throat> it's microscopic, uh, which is a term for you can only see it under a microscope. Where do you see your research leading or what would be your future research goals when you've... Bigger fish right away. Uh, I'd like to move on to bigger fish, I'd, which was hopeful, which hopefully could be a stepping stone to, you know, some other 
some other types of animals. Uh, yeah, it's sort of a popularity contest uh, as far as research grants. I'm sure a lot of you know fish. Fish can sometimes, you know, fish for some people aren't sexy. They're not interesting. You know, they're not. There's this. There's this whole thing in science. Oh, we want to just fund the cute animals. We want to fund the the animals we can understand. Well, you know what? Fish are very interesting. They got a lot to say with their little hearts and their little brains. And so the question, where can I see this going? Hopefully we can improve, A, hopefully we can improve the eyesight of fishes in general. Hopefully across the board, we can we can make some improvements. Fish, Second. Fish are sexy. Uh, yeah. Fish are sexy. Thank Sorry you. Sorry to cut and you I off. To, I just yeah, wanted just... to say that. I also appreciate that you uh, keep the secrecy around your work, you know, at top security level. Yeah, I want to say that, and I want to say fish are sexy. <laughs> ding ding in my books, I agree. Both counts. So, you, you, so you, the, the ultimate goal here is to improve the eyesight of fish, and then perhaps other animals later. Is that correct? Yeah, exactly. Why did you choose fish to start with, as opposed to other animals that you could be testing this on initially? Um, the eye of a fish is actually the easiest to see uh, <laughs> because. There's no lids. Uh, they're not blinking. They are. It's right out there. You got one on each side, so it's like you know, like easy to position the cameras and the other tools that I use to uh, re watch the retinas. Oh, not the retinas. The 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 tangible arbors. The arbors. Um, uh, yeah. So yeah. You, you, yeah, you can just see those arbors in the tank with them. Is that correct? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, you see, yeah, we can see them. Yeah, they, they, it's like phosphorescence. They reveal themselves. Just because yeah. I, I realize it's, it's important that we have a clear record of everything that was said today, and I just I don't know if we've properly defined this. Could you just tell us what a dangible arbor is and specifically what the word dangible means and perhaps use it in a couple of sentences so I can understand in other contexts? <laughs> so, so, you want, so you want, in general, a definition of dangible. Explain dangible arbors. I want to know what, yes. And then you want me to... Define dangible and use dangible in a sentence. Uh, yeah, I want to know what dangible means, and then I want to know what what a non dangible arbor is, and then what happens when the arbor is dangible. Dangible means hanging. Dangible means hanging. So to use it in a sentence, I was dangible on the monkey bars after school because I was rambunctious as a child. I mean, so I didn't need to finish that sentence. Um, to describe them, they're sort of vine like, and they hang around, and they just sort of capture the. I think I said emotions earlier, and I'll have to stick with that. Um, did I get everything on paper there for yeah, you? Yeah, I think I, I don't quite understand, like biologically, what the purpose of the dangible arbors are in the eye. They, they just they okay, they're the connected emotions. to the retina, okay, and that's important because that's where you'll find them. And then, and then what they're doing is they're all linked. If we get fuzz, if we kind of fuzz them up with some nitrous oxide, because they're integral to the to, to the eye you know, how much light gets in there. Cause they, they're also involved with that. They're involved with emotions and light and light levels. And if we just dust them up with some NO, we just want to see, you know, how that affects them. Call it getting sudsy. Do you have any particular emotional attachment yourself to any of your research subjects? Will you have any, keep of any course. of them as pets after your work's done? If I'm allowed, but these fish are important fish. I mean, um, they'll be going on to other laboratories. Uh, <laughs> frankly, they have more speaking engagements than I do. <laughs> I mean, yes, of course. I, I maybe I jest a little bit, but you can't spend time with creatures this much as much time as I do, and not develop an affinity for them. You know, they're they're aiding me in my quest for knowledge. So yes, very wonderful. noble, wonderful. Mm -hmm. Thank you, thank you very much, um, Dr. Medulla.
it's, it's been a pleasure to hear you speak today. Can I just, I'm just going to go around the room, see if everybody thinks we should give him the bust of Mr. Dress Up, uh, starting off with Dr. Frangipan okay. Jones. What do you think? 100%. Absolutely. Okay, great. Um, scholar Dr. Laurel Wolfstein. You know, I was on the fence until he said that he liked the fish. So, yes. Mm, okay. That's the important thing there. And uh, Tarek Yusuf? Absolutely. Uh, the fact that you care so much about this work really shows the passion really comes through. So definitely. Thank you all so much. That means a lot. The real research today was the emotion that you showed while talking about the fish. That's the real science. Yeah, yeah that's what I like to say. Science isn't about facts. It's about passion and emotions. <laughs> 100%. Yeah, yes. 100%. And split decisions. Okay, well, um, that's that's fantastic. Congratulations. And um, you can pick up your uh, your bust of Mr. Dress Up in the uh, parking lot uh, immediately after this event is over. That ends this meeting of the Canada Research Council. Uh, it's been a delight. So let's, um, let's turn it over to our actual fish eye researcher here. Tarek, do you want to um, walk us through how accurate things were at the end here from um dr dr medulla absolutely i'm desperately in love with everybody by the way everybody (laughs) (laughs) i'm hopelessly in love that was that was really incredible um we did fall into maybe some i don't know uh irrelevant things to the science but they were nonetheless (laughs) integral to the conversation i think um so i think maybe one thing we should talk about is the dendra dendrigals or dendribles dendrible yeah so um maybe this is a good neuroanatomy uh moment neuroanatomy break so um (laughs) dendrites dendrites are uh processes little basically little arms that come off of the cell bodies of neurons. So the cells that are in brains, also in the retina at the back of the eye, they're what contact other cells. So these horizontal cells that are at the back of the eye have these dendrites, and that is what connects them in these different states of light. So the dark suppressed, light sensitized, and light adapted. So it's really not fair to use that jargon at all. It's so mean because probably a lot of the vision scientists don't even know what it is because it's quite a niche subject. Uh, so maybe I'll go through those definitions as well. We, first, maybe let's just broadly, okay. like very broadly, what is the goal of your research? Because is is, I assume it's not to make fish see better. Fish can see pretty well. Um, <laughs> I would say uh, I would say the end goal is really learning about the the actual chemical processes in the eye that are responsible for allowing us to adapt to changing levels of light, allowing us to see contrast under different uh, background lighting conditions. And what that teaches us is not only a little bit about ourselves, about our own biology, but the long-term goal is possibly even to inform the development of uh, artificial vision um, technologies. So for people who've lost sight or maybe people who are even born without sight, the only way that we're really able to create technologies that will provide relevant visual information is to really understand how our system works because all of those interfaces are going to have to work alongside the existing anatomy, right? So whatever computers we build are going to have to use our own brains in order to give us that information. And right now there's been some tremendous work in that area um, in simulated vision, but the most 
even though it's amazing, like for people who are completely blind, the most that we're able to give them back is pretty life-changing. You're able to all of a sudden see enough light to detect a doorway, for example, or enough light to detect a cast shadow from somebody's head. That's life-changing for somebody. But there's no way, uh, we're not even close to, you know, seeing color or seeing contrast or being able to read or being able to drive all of these things uh, that require acute vision. Let's then talk a little bit about those those states that came up a lot and, and sort of evolved in their meanings over the last little while. This is one theory about how we adapt to changing levels of light. So if you can, so just think from sunrise to sunset, that's over a billion fold change in the amount of light energy that we get uh, throughout the day. So when we take that for granted, like I was saying earlier, and the eye has to do a lot of work in order to adapt to that. Um, dark suppression uh, is um, a state wherein there is complete darkness and that complete darkness would have lasted let's say for at least about an hour. And light adaptation is a state wherein there's bright light. So in both of those states, in order to give us acute vision, horizontal cells end up disconnecting from each other. Horizontal cells are providing us with contrast information. And in very, very bright light, we don't really need horizontal cells to be talking to each other because there's so much light information that we're able to kind of just use that as it is without needing to get enough, get information from horizontal cells all over the retina to tell us what's happening elsewhere. We already have enough light information to use. That's all we need. And in complete darkness, well, you can't really see anything ever. So there's no point in talking to each other because nothing's going on. <laughs> um, the light sensitized state is a dim light state. So that would be, it would be a pretty dim starry night. Um, we spend most of our lives in a light adapted state. So that light sensitized state could also be kind of that transition from, you know, as you're driving through a tunnel on the highway, for example, and all of a sudden it gets dark for a little bit, you can still see, um, and you, it takes time to adapt to that. So that that's, that is in one way that's light, ad, light sensitization. And in that state, horizontal cells connect to each other. Interesting. So because there's so little light information in the light sensitized state, horizontal cells want to tell each other what's happening around the whole retina in order to give, you know, other horizontal cells an idea of where there's light next to dark in order to start judging contrast. That's very cool. So the horizontal cells are, are essentially working together to give your brain more information about like subtle differences in light. Is that kind of the idea? Uh, absolutely. So it's enhancing edge detection, enhancing contrast detection. Ah. So fish have the horizontal cells. Do humans have those as well? Yeah. So the, the cool thing about the, about all vertebrates, mammals and fish alike is that the retina is pretty similar. So the retina, I mean, you can kind of think of it um, as maybe like a layered cake. Um, and most vertebrates have or all vertebrates have the same layers of the same different kinds mm -hmm. of cells, including horizontal cells. There's obviously anatomical differences between the different um, species, but we can learn a lot from using those models. Fish are a really interesting model to use because historically they've been so important. They're such um, Fish have been some of the first animals to be studied in so many different ways. Uh, especially in vision. There's so much background information. So as we continue to study fish, we really have a lot to work off of. So it's kind of like you're not reinventing the wheel when you're studying fish vision because there's so much uh, that's already been done that you can kind of continue to understand in a pretty straightforward way. So, okay, important question though. Um, 
what kind of fish and do you catch them yourself? I don't catch them myself. They're very nondescript goldfish and very nondescript zebrafish. Goldfish. I was going to say goldfish. Definitely goldfish. Damn. And how, how are they doing emotionally? Um, I think, you know what? I think they're doing quite well. They have a huge tank, better than any home goldfish would be doing. Uh, we feed them really well. We keep them, we give them great temperature, great pH. They're living the life. So do fish have an amygdala? I need to know the answer to this. That's a really good question. I should know my my fish neuroanatomy better. I think they probably do. Yeah, I'm going to say they do. Okay. We'll, we'll look it up. We'll give you, you can have an opportunity. You know what? To, like, no, one listening, no one listening knows because the, the, <laughs> exactly. it's so niche. So it's an area of future <laughs> research. Look at that. Yeah, Somebody knows. knows. Somebody knows. But they don't <laughs> scream, right? Fish don't. Unfortunately, they don't scream. And maybe that's something that we need to look into as a, as a community of scientists. Do you know? But is it, has it been studied? How do you know that they don't? To this day, no one has ever heard them. Oh, it doesn't mean they haven't. <laughs> a mystery. They just keep getting led into places where someone says no one can hear you scream. If a fish screams in the water, did anyone hear it? Oh my gosh. So, um, is, it, is it laughing gas that we're using here? No, definitely okay. not. Unfortunately, I don't have access to laughing gas. I think I need a, a much better license. So, instead of nitrous oxide, what we actually use is nitric oxide. So, just NO. Mm. Cool. We were so close. Oh, that's, that's really cool. That's and you study cool. it in uh, Halifax? Yeah, in Halifax. And actually, a lot of um, what was said about some of the actual experimental techniques is true. I, a lot of my experiments are done in the dark. I have a dark room. Um, and they do last hours. It can <laughs> be kind of emotionally grueling to just be in the dark for uh, four to five oh, hours God. trying to do little surgeries. Oh, my God. Do um, you scream? <laughs> are you screaming? <laughs> no one can hear me. <laughs> if a grad student screams in a dark room, no one can hear them. <laughs> and I do actually use uh, night vision goggles to do some of my work. So that oh was right too. Oh, wow. No yeah. <laughs> wow. They're not fancy night vision goggles because we can't afford them, but they're okay. <laughs> Night vision, nonetheless. Yeah. <laughs> um, another thing that came up, I gotta ask, is do fish have eyelids? No. Okay, they don't. So, wow. No. Ryan, you yeah. are a fish scientist. Yeah, it's interesting. I know. I'm shocked. I've seen a fish or two. Do you, do you have a fish <laughs> harness at home? <laughs> no, I have a dog harness. <laughs> well, oh my God. I imagine. I imagine you can put a harness on almost any animal. <laughs> <laughs> um, Tarek, are you worried about people stealing your research? <laughs> no, I would love for someone to start working on it so I could collaborate with them. <laughs> Brian will be right there. <laughs> yeah, steal, steal. Oh my god. Okay, awesome. So th th that's fantastic. I feel like we all have a much better understanding um, of what you do now. So. Uh, I want to quickly do a little tag team experiment between the, our three comedians and just see whether we can, between the three of you, hot hands handing it off to each other, see if you can explain basically what Tarek does. <laughs> Starting with Alistair, because he started at the beginning, and I'll let you go now and we'll see how far we get. Tarek goes into a dark room and he does indeed experiment with uh, different levels of light. Uh, to see how the fish eyes react um, using nitric oxide, uh, which helps to 
um, see when the horizontal cells are connected or disconnected. Nice. Uh, I think that's basically all that I can fit in my brain right now. <laughs> Elena, what's your piece? Okay, so the horizontal cells are more connected during the, oh God, the light sensitive? Yes, did I get it? Light sensitized, yeah. Light sensitized. So they're so they're like, what's all this information out here? We better come together and collaborate. <laughs> Stop collaborating and listen. You know, they're working together. <laughs> you want to collab? Yeah, and uh, there's inf- there's information that you can take from this that you could move forward into looking at artificial vision for people in the future that may be able to benefit from this. All vertebrates have kind of the same retina. That's cool. Yeah. Uh, also, uh, that fish this st- fish vision has been an oft-studied uh, uh, f- field, so there's to, to, to aiding in the research, you're not reinventing the wheel, Ooh. right? Uh, and they do not have eyelids. Boom. Amazing. I think yeah. that's maybe that our, was awesome. that's our best like tag yeah. team explanation at the end so far. Great job, everybody. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone was so, so funny and so, so smart. It's a treat both ways. Oh, back at you. This has oh been gosh. awesome. What a, what a so fun nice. time. And I have to say, Elena, the gold is in the face. You have to be a TV actor. Uh, it's all here. This is the, the reactions <laughs> and the, the, the eyebrows, everything. It's Botox. Close up. Yeah. <laughs> I think this is an audio podcast <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, uh, there'll be a video component we'll post on the on the twitter and then everyone can see that gold as long as it's not this because this happens a lot you can't see it <laughs> this is awesome yeah. so much fun learned so much um before we go i just want to know where people can find you online if you want to be found some people don't that's fine my dad has two facebook friends uh one of them is me and he watches the things I do and it's a little weird. I'm the other one. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God, can you imagine? <laughs> so cool. Alistair, first, where can people find you online? Um, on Instagram, it's at Alistair Ogden or on Twitter at Alistair Stuff. And uh, also I'll plug Blind Tiger Comedy because I work for them doing marketing. And so does Ryan actually, but I'll let him talk about that. If he let, wants let him do his own yeah, Take a class of Blind Tiger. <laughs> Uh, you can follow me on Instagram, Alana, at Alana Brittany, or I post very asinine tweets at Alana B. Comedy. Yeah, uh, every Sunday night on this uh, on YouTube, I do an improv show online. You can watch from anywhere in the world, 9 p.m. Pacific time, called The Sunday Service. Uh, and I do also teach at a place called Blind Tiger Comedy. If you're, It's a lot of online classes, too. If you think you might want to do a comedy class, you should look up Blind Tiger Comedy. Yeah, I'm at Tarek Neuro uh, on Instagram and Twitter. And um, I like to have fun sometimes. So you can follow me there. <laughs> Are the fish, will the fish be pictured? I need to see these goldfish. Was this supposed to be a dating profile? <laughs> Um, you can try to date me on Twitter or Instagram. No, um, the fish won't be pictured, I don't think, but uh, maybe I should start posting some pictures of fish. I do also have to add, um, I, I just got a text from Lucas, who's the producer. I was going to steal the joke, uh, but I, I couldn't flow, make it flow in naturally. So I'm just going to say the thing that he texted me, which is once Tarek gets to Tigers, it will be cited Tiger Comedy. Oh, yeah, there you go. Oh, that's <laughs> 
Here's hoping. Yeah. <laughs> uh, this has been awesome. Thanks everybody so much. Uh, I had a great time. I hope you all had a lot of fun. Um, yeah, that's it. That's the that's the show. That's the show. Bye. <laughs> it was nice okay. to see you Amazing. guys. Everyone. Science Telephone is produced by Jesse Lupini and Lucas Cavanaugh. We're edited by Kobe Michaels. Our designer is Kelsey Hemphill, and our intro is performed by France Paris. That's me. To learn more about the show, this episode's scientists, or the comedians you just heard, visit us on the internet at sciencetelephone.com or on Twitter at SciTelShow. S-C-I-T-E-L Show. End of call.